0: Good morning, good morning. It's Eshen Brenda Shoshana back with another episode of Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And you know, the key point in this is everyday life. It's as if practice is one thing and everyday life is something else. It's as if wisdom is somewhere else, it's something special. And everyday life, oh, we just trudge along, get up, brush our teeth, sweep the floor, make our breakfast. That's just, that's just ordinary. That's our usual way of thinking and being. But Zen wisdom, there, <laughs> there is so much mystery surrounding that word Zen. And even the word wisdom, woo as if, and this is so common, As if we have to transcend everyday life, reject everyday life, reject our desires, reject our hopes and fears, reject, reject, transcend, transcend, dismiss. Everyday life is in our way. Somehow we think that, we feel that. Got to get out of this everyday life stuff and become so-called, excuse me, enlightened. That word, that word itself, become enlightened. Dangerous word. Very, 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 very dangerous word. Because we all then develop all kinds of fantasies about what it means to be enlightened. Well, if I'm enlightened, I'll talk this way, I'll look this way, I'll act this way. There's a program that goes along with it. There are assumptions that go along with it. There are demands that go along with it that we make that have nothing to do with anything that's real, that's beneficial, that's healthy, or that's even sane. (laughs) To me, enlightenment is the ultimate sanity. The sanity, the universe is sane, is ultimately sane. The wind blows, we feel cool, the rain falls. We're washed off a bit. We're hungry, we eat. Rinzai said, when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. (laughs) Fools laugh at me, but the wise understand incredible saying, too simple. What does it even mean? I mean, everybody does that, don't we all do that? When we're hungry, we eat. When we're tired, we sleep. (laughs) No, 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 when we're hungry, we diet. When we're hungry, we gorge ourselves. When we're hungry, we run away and don't face our hunger, don't feel our hunger. We immediately transform it into something else. Maybe we read a lot, maybe we run we reject, reject, reject what's really happening in this moment. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm lonely. I'm scared. No, 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 no. If we feel that, we think, well, then we're not enlightened because if you're enlightened, you don't feel hungry, tired, scared, no more desires, nothing, nothing. I'm just some kind of extraterrestrial being floating around somewhere up in a hill. No, 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 no. Rinzai says differently. He said, when I'm hungry, I eat. He honors, honors, honors the truth, the reality, the simple, sane, natural events of our everyday life. I will venture to say although who am I, but it's okay. I'm just sharing my experience with you, and I will venture to say everyday life is itself enlightenment, exactly as it is. Nothing added. No big pretense thrown in. No disrespect for others or their religions or practices or lack of practices no, none of that necessary. Because you don't have to lash out at others because when you're hungry you eat. <laughs> when you're tired you sleep. When you're lonely you sit with a friend and relish relish the joy of that. You know, one of the one of the treasures there are three supposedly three deep there are many treasures in Zen practice. So many, actually we're walking on a treasure mine. <laughs> But one of the great, great treasures in Zen is sangha, the community of others who practice together. Maybe it's in your city, maybe it's in another city, maybe it's this century, maybe those who practice the teachers. In other centuries, even if they weren't called teachers, the sangha, the community, the great beauty and gift of a community, why is a sangha so important? That's part of everyday life. It's part of everyday life. Being, they provide that support, that understanding, that resonance. I'm not alone in this. I'm walking the path together. We're walking the path together. Right now, given our circumstances in the world, many, many, many feel so, uh, they are alone. They're alone, literally for months and months in homes and apartments in different places, quarantining or perhaps they're older, or or perhaps they're working from home, many, many conditions. Now, of course, as we practice more and more deeply, when we are physically alone, we're not alone either because we feel so much, <clears throat> so much within ourselves and the presence of the teachings, which is another one of the treasures. And, the, and, and so that's very wonderful. And also it's very important and wonderful to gather with sangha in whatever way we can, because that is one of the three treasures that this practice stands upon. It's not about an avoidance of this world. And the reason I'm talking about it today with, maybe I have an edge in my voice, could be, but because it's so clear to me today, it's so clear today how dangerous this practice can be, especially in this day and age when we are really facing life and death every moment, when we're in a session every moment we are. How important to understand what the truth of it is so that it can help us to be grounded, to be sane, to be restored to the harmony that we are naturally, inevitably. So that we can be in touch with our own intuitive wisdom, not to reject anything about ourselves because we're going to end up rejecting our own intuitive knowing and our own intuitive wisdom, and then we get what I would call waylaid by the system. You know, there are many systems out there just waiting to grab you in. Come in, come on in. It's like a circus barker at the circus. Come on in. You'll get cotton candy here. Come for the thrills and the chills. Come here, come here. Zen is about not getting waylaid anywhere by anyone. True Zen practice restores you to your own, your own profound self, your truth, your knowingness. It's almost like a radar or a lamp that we have that wherever we go, it lights our way. The system is not going to light our way. Our own inner being lights our way. So it's not good to get waylaid, taken over. Think, ah, I'll do this and someday I'll get enlightened, but I have to follow every single thing this one says or that one says. As soon as that is there, be careful. Be very, very, very careful. Zen is re- it's a very interesting paradox because the spirit and the heart of Zen is totally anti-authoritarian totally. It's about returning your power to you so that you can know when you're hungry and so you can enjoy the meal when you eat. It's not about giving power, your power, your trust, your belief away to someone else to run the show for you. And so it's a paradox because certain forms of Zen practice do look quite authoritarian. And they are. And it's tricky, very tricky. The the point is to break through. It's like homeopathic medicine. You're given a dose of the problem. Break through this authoritarianism in your life. (coughs) Break through it. See through it. it. Takes a long time, and it's a dangerous road to go, especially in this day and age. It has been said that true enlightenment is seeing everything as it is, just as it is. That's a feat. It's a feat because it means that what we're going to do somehow is break out of our hypnosis and our giving away what's true for us to someone else. This is so crucial and so beautiful to understand, from my point of view, to understand the real heart, the beating heart of Zen. When I'm hungry, I eat. And also when I'm practicing, when I'm hungry, food comes to me in all kinds of ways. When I feel there's no one around, boom, out of nowhere comes a wonderful old sangha friend (laughs) popping up on my text and popping up into my heart and in my life and bringing me memories and reminders of the early days of practice. You know, those early days of practice, in a way, they are the most pure, (laughs) most sincere, most simple. As Suzuki Roshi said, beginner's mind. It was right there in the early days of practice. <clears throat> I would meet a friend and I don't know if he's listening, but I really want to honor him. Hogan. I would meet him. He was my very first Zen friend. And I would go to the Zendo very early, 5.30. I would, the doors opened at 5.30 in the morning then. So maybe before 5.30, I got there. And then I go for morning service and sitting and then run home because I had a bunch of little babies and I lived a few blocks away and it was wonderful. I could do both. I could go to the Zendo early, early, sit, go home and just as the little ones were waking up. Truly beautiful, everyday Zen. And, and who was there the very early days? Very few people were there. Maybe a few monks from Japan. My teacher was there and Hogen was there. I believe it was when it was winter when we first met. I believe he wore a little red hat, wool hat, and he had his bicycle which he tied up in front of the zendo. And he would say, "Boy, we're really in for it." He loved it. And he was so unaffected, so natural. Just loved sitting the simple sitting of it. And we and afterwards we'd have a few words outside the zendo and he would un wrap his bike or unlock his bike and drive off. And we would, he would wave with his little hat on. And I would go on back home to my apartment. And that's, that's sangha, encouraging each other, connecting, not feeling alone, understanding the deep hunger for sanity, for reality, <clears throat> for ourselves, <clears throat> to connect to who we really were. And on a difficult morning, after many years, I have mean, been in touch with him, but suddenly, boom, pops up on my text. And we had the, the joy of a Dharma conversation back and forth. Is that given by the universe? I was hungry, he was hungry. So we eat, <laughs> eat the Dharma. When you practice, just simple practice, just simple practice, sincere practice, real practice, not trying to, not trying to somehow, I don't know how to put this actually. So I won't, (laughs) I won't. But when you do practice that way, you are given what you need. You are given what you need. And it's mysterious and beautiful. It's beautiful to watch it happen. Right in the middle of everyday life, it pops in. just pops in. So let's return to when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm tired, I sleep. Everyday life is the practice. Not to avoid it, not to deny it. Not to, not to deny any aspect of it, because that bounces back on you and hits you from behind like a wave from behind, but fully attentive to exactly what's happening and respectful of it, not rejecting it, not hating it, not judging yourself or another, not making fun of it. Attentive to it aware of it and then one's responses come out of a place of deep deep appropriateness sanity kindness beneficial responses come so this is a strange practice, a strange road, because it's a road that leads actually nowhere except to right here with what's happening now. If one enters so fully into the truth, your truth, I'm hungry, okay I'll eat. And I'll and I'll give thanks. Thank Kasho, thank you. Blessings any way you want to do it for the food, and I give thanks for the hunger, too. I give thanks that I know what's happening and I can be in tune with the great harmony and wisdom of our natural lives. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much for being here. The URL um, for the talk is zenwisdomtoday.com and... If you want to communicate, I love receiving your many, many emails. I appreciate them. They're very meaningful. You can always reach me at topspeaker at yahoo.com. Thank you so much. Have a great, beautiful day. Bye.